Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of the Business in Vancouver newspaper and website, BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. Earlier in June, the federal government announced its intention to resume construction of the Trans Mountain Pipeline that twins the existing pipeline from Alberta all the way into Burnaby. The project is, of course, contentious, and delays and uncertainty prompted Kinder Morgan to back away from the initiative last year. The federal government stepped in as the last buyer standing, took over the project for $4.5 billion. A new poll, though, examines how British Columbians think about that project, and it contains results that might surprise you in the degree of support for Trans Mountain. Mario Canseco is the president of Research Co., the public opinion firm that conducted the survey. He's a regular on our podcast. He joins me now. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Uh, the pipeline's doing better than I might have thought in terms of public support. Where's... Uh, Where's the support coming from? Well, it is definitely higher than last year. When we checked last year, it was 52% in favor uh, in May of 2018. Now it's up to 56% uh, who essentially agree with the decision that the federal government took. So it's four points, but it's definitely uh, higher than where it was two, three years ago, where it was a major situation uh, for the government that was there at the time and where the opposition to the project was galvanized uh, in a much more coherent way than, than what we're seeing now. And from your results, the actual opposition, like the true opposition to it, really is about one in three yes. British Columbians? Yes, it's 33%. Uh, who say that they are unhappy with the decision that the federal government took. What is quite interesting to me is when we started tracking this, uh, you saw a higher level of strong opposition to the project than strong support. You had a lot of people in the middle thinking, well, you know, I moderately like it or I moderately don't. Uh, But now you have a significantly higher number of residents who strongly support the idea of going through with this construction than who strongly oppose it. So does that mean then that those that were um, a little bit more aggressively against the project are softening their stand a bit? Is, yes. that, is that where it goes? Yeah. I think that's definitely part of it. And also, you know, it's it's been a long time. I think there's been many discussions about this. One of the reasons for the numbers to be as high as they are is that now we are all owners of this pipeline. Uh, right. When the federal government said we're going to be carrying through with this, then it changes the mindset. It, that is good for five or six points. Maybe residents who are looking into the situation and saying this is benefiting somebody else. It's a company based outside of Canada. Now it's a federal government who is saying we want to do this. And that definitely helps. Do your results indicate uh, any kind of a real divergence of view between, say, those in Metro Vancouver and the rest of the province? There's a little bit of a shift. I think What is fascinating to me is looking at the way the situation changed in the island, for instance. That used to be the area where everybody was against this. No, we we can't let this happen. And now you have a lot of residents there, especially those who are over 55, who are saying, well, you know what, if the federal government thinks it's good enough, we might as well carry on and just uh, go for it. Uh, Opposition is a little bit higher in Metro Vancouver, but not as high as it was, say, two, three years ago. And also among uh, voters 18 to 34 and women who are also more likely to say that they are dissatisfied with the the way the federal government has been dealing with this. So there's a little bit of a danger there for Justin Trudeau when it comes to those voters. So he can't play necessarily the, uh, the climate change card quite? No, I don't think he can. Not here. I think it'll be very difficult uh, to come into a place where he cannot campaign on the basis of the carbon tax, which is something that is working in Ontario. There's a lot of voters there who say it's the right course of action and are not particularly satisfied with uh, the government of Ontario essentially saying we don't want to take part in this. 
uh, you can't do this here because we've had a carbon tax for a long time. Yeah. So when he comes here and tries to talk about the environment in the same way he did back in 2015, doing the grouse grind and so on, it's not going to have the same reception. So what are the uh, – because I think media coverage would suggest that there is actually widespread public opposition to the to the pipeline twinning because, of course, it, it garners a great deal of headlines when there are protests and – people, you know, laying down on the tracks, so to speak, in order to uh, block the pipeline. But what are the, the core British Columbian concerns that seem to transcend those who are in opposition to it and even those who support the pipeline? Well, I see it as a battle between uh, two things that haven't happened. And the battle is between the actual perception of job creation from British Columbians, and 71% say that this is going to create hundreds of jobs, but it's actually something that is perceived. We haven't seen it. Versus the idea that something is going to go horribly wrong. And yeah. right now, it's a battle that is being won by the jobs argument. You know, this is going to create jobs. We don't know if an accident will happen. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was completely different. It was more residents thinking about the coastline and we are not really sure if we want to carry on with this and it's going to be uh, something that decimates population of animals. Uh, those concerns are lower now than they used to be. So again, is, is this that isn't because the federal government has announced additional marine safety measures, do you think? Is there a correlation there? I think it has a lot to do with the federal government saying this is what we want to do, which is a lot closer to reality and something that really makes some of those residents not be as concerned as they used to be when you compare it with the attitude of the BC Liberal government under Christy Clark, which was essentially just saying world class over and over again, but not really doing anything about it. Yeah. Do Canadians at all care when a prime minister says the project's in the national interest, <laughs> if, it, if it happens to be in their own backyards? Yes. I, I would say that this is part of the situation. Uh, it, it was when the opposition to this began. It was always painted as it's a company based in Texas. They used to be Enron. They're terrible. They're going to destroy our world. And now it's completely different because the federal government is the one who is saying, we're going to make sure that this doesn't happen in a way that is going to be detrimental to our coastline. And mm -hmm. we think that this is something that we require because Alberta is in trouble and we need to help them out. So I think what, what, what I see from the residents is that there is a change in the way in which you look at the project. And it is directly related to the fact that the prime minister decided to endorse it. And a couple of things were done when uh, the resumption of construction was announced. Uh, two things. One, of course, the government said that uh, whatever spoils come from the project, I'm, and I mean spoils in the sense of revenue, not environmental spoils, <laughs> um, but whatever uh, comes to the project from revenue is somehow going to be pumped back in to the clean energy sector, the green energy sector. Does that matter to Canadians very much? I don't think it'll move many of the opponents uh, unless no. it's something massive, unless no. you can explain it in a way and again, this takes years. This isn't something that is going to happen before October. Uh, it yeah. takes years for something like this to happen and say, well, because we did this, now we have this clean energy. Yeah, we're not going to see to we're not going to see revenue and profit from no. this until about 2025, if at all, right? So, yeah. Well, so, but again, this is part of the difficulty with the messaging. Uh, you can claim that it's going to create hundreds of jobs. Will those jobs be there in the next two, three months? This is something that can be used to campaign in favor of job creation mm -hmm. if you're trying to run uh, for federal politics. And it's, it's too early to tell. Yeah. But what is real is that the, the level of animosity that we saw against this particular project is no longer present. Yeah. It, it also, uh, what happened, of course, is there has been a great deal of speculation about um, who will eventually own this project. <laughs> and the federal government 
really tipped its hand and, and indicated that it really is quite open to the idea of indigenous ownership of this project. And I think the prime minister said, you know, it can be 25%, 51%, 100%, whatever it is. Um, again, do Canadians see the connection between, say, uh, pipeline ownership uh, by indigenous uh, groups and, um, first of all, some reconciliation? And secondly, some maybe conscientious stewardship of the project. Tell me a little bit about what they're they're perceiving there. I think it's seen as a nice to have, uh, something that could be beneficial down the road, because what we continue to see is this animosity between different groups. Uh, some of them have endorsed the pipeline and now are against it. Some of them were against it and now are in favor of it. It's very difficult to look at it as, as an indigenous rights issue because you have so many different people saying so many different things. Uh, I, I think that's one of the toughest uh, issues that they need to face. Uh, you can have four or five different people saying this is going to be beneficial, and then you have other four or five who are saying this is going to be detrimental. So it's it's completely uh, uncharted territory when it comes to looking at this project as something that is going to be beneficial for reconciliation. Um, the prime minister's uh, probably in a pretty hard place in this. Uh, yeah. regardless of the fact that there is uh, general support for it in the province. And there is, of course, support for it elsewhere in the country, massive support for it in Alberta and Saskatchewan, for instance. Yet, um, your poll suggests that Canadians, and British Columbians, pardon me, are really not loving the way that he's handling this. Where are their concerns and, and how deep are they? Well, what's fascinating to me looking into this is I was expecting a situation where the opponents of the pipeline would be very, very upset with the prime minister, and they are, mm -hmm. uh, which is understandable. Uh, you know, almost universal levels of rejection to the policies of the prime minister on this file uh, because they are staunchly against uh, the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Uh, but even 50% of those who support the project are saying, yeah, th this was a boondoggle. This wasn't handled properly. They probably expected to have something in place six months ago or one year ago. And they're dissatisfied. They're saying, well, yeah, this is happening now. Uh, but again, uh, from a, the standpoint of handling a specific file, we're not particularly happy with the way the prime minister has done it. So it's not as if you're going to make a lot of voters go from conservative to liberal in British Columbia because you decided that this is a pipeline that is in the national interest. It, it's not going to win him a lot of votes on that front. Your poll, uh, when you compare it to earlier polls, uh, does suggest this uh, slight shift, four points, as you, as you put it. Uh, what that makes me wonder, Mario, is whether there is uh, any opportunity at all to persuade people any longer, or have people made up their minds? They've had enough exposure to this project, they've read enough about it, listened to enough about it, they know whether they like it or not. I think they do. And the fact that the government of Alberta spent a lot of money trying to engage British Columbians on this file and didn't actually engage those who were opposed, I think is one of the major flaws in the campaign that they decided to launch. Uh, you have a, a higher level of recall of the advertisements from the government of Alberta from those who are supportive of the project. Uh, those who are opposed didn't see them. And there were only 32% of those who saw the ads who said that they uh, were are now more likely to support it. Uh, but again, many of them were already supportive of the project. So it seems like they're spending money on something that wasn't really going to move the needle. And especially something that is happening in a province that they're not governing. Yeah. It, now, though, we're inside four months on uh, the, the federal election. Does the Trans Mountain Pipeline 
um, linger as an issue in this campaign, or is it again one of those issues that you know British Columbians have pretty much figured out? Um, they're not again; they're not going to be suddenly supportive or suddenly unsupportive. Well, we are not going to see any major shifts on this unless there is some radical change, uh, either in the form of doing something with a pipeline in the United States, reviving some of the discussions about pipelines out east, or if uh, you have an accident, uh, which is something that tends to happen. I do remember support for pipelines as a whole trended upward after the Lagmag Antique disaster. Yes, People right. were saying, well, you know, if this is the alternative, we might as well say yes to the pipelines. And then it sort of shifted for a couple of months and then came back to reality. But th- this is one of those topics where everybody's already made up their minds. We're not going to see a lot of movement. It doesn't mean that if you're a supporter of the project, you're not concerned with the fact that something could go wrong. Uh, but after everything we've been to, after the discussions from the federal government, the stance from the BC government, the campaign from the Alberta government, you're not really going to move a lot of people anymore. And when it comes down to the uh, uh, perceptions of our provincial leader, John Horgan, what are British Columbians feeling about how he has handled this as the the guy who seems to be reaching into the toolbox every 10 minutes? (laughs) Well, I think there's an expectation from the NDP base that this is something that he has to do. Yeah. Uh, but I don't see a, a high level of support from the NDP base itself to do whatever it takes to stop the project from going forward. Uh, there is 41% of BC residents who say, yes, the provincial government has to do something about this, uh, which is a little bit higher than the level of opposition, uh, which is kind of strange, but that's the way sometimes things pan out. Uh, the reality here is most of those uh, who are dead set against this are green voters. And they say, you know, I voted green the last time and I'm definitely not in favor of this particular project. Uh, only 51% of NDP voters say Horgan should do everything he can to stop this from happening. It's only half. It's not a situation where you have an overwhelming majority of your base saying, keep up the fight. And I think that is definitely something that could be happening. You know, we still have a couple of uh, court cases that are going to be handled. Um, there's an opportunity for John Horgan to say, we did everything we could, and now we're just going to make sure that it doesn't uh, be, that is that it isn't something detrimental to the coastline. That's really all he can do. Yeah, it, it's all he can do. But it, do you believe that there's an exhaustion point for British Columbians about this, the strenuous ways in which the provincial government appears to be moving in order to essentially keep this pipeline from being twinned very, very soon. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's ultimately a game of, of having the opportunity to talk about other stuff, to, to change the the dial a little bit. And, and, you know, we have the housing crisis, we have the discussions about money laundering. There's so many chances for the government to stop talking about this file and to sort of push it downward, uh, which I think would be the best course of action, frankly. I mean, there's definitely always going to be people who are dead set against this and who will campaign against it, but they no longer hold as much sway as they used to just a few months ago or even a couple of years ago. So, you know, you, you have to keep that specific promise to say we're going to do whatever it takes within the tools at our disposal, but you're running out of tools and also running out of time. Always good to talk to you, Mario. A very interesting poll again. Thanks a lot for your time today. My pleasure, Kirk. Thank you. Mario Canseco is the president of Research Co. That's a public opinion research firm. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening to BIB Today. We'll see you next time. 